Hi, I'm Christopher Annadale. I've tracked down some of my former students to ask, is there life after philosophy? This is some of what you'll hear on the Life After Philosophy podcast. Tom tells us about the philosophical roots of his public policy work. I, I tell people the work of public policy uh, in law is really, I think it's just philosophy in really fancy terminology. Because uh, I think a lot of the public policy positions really come down to what is your worldview? Uh, and, and in that sense, what is your all-encompassing worldview? And so I typically think whether it's a tax issue, whether it's a pro-life issue, whether it is an agriculture issue, whether it is, um, you, know, uh, you know, a judiciary issue, all of them have some background philosophical worldview on how they see the world, how it should function, who the human person is, uh, how they should be in community, etc. Rebecca shares how studying philosophy prepared her for law school. Similarly, many other classes that I took embraced the Socratic method, which is entirely what law school is all about. Every class you take in law school is very much of an open forum. The professor is shooting questions at us, and we we are frequently cold called and expected to be able to answer the question on our feet, having read the material the night before. And so our philosophy classes at the Mount certainly prepared me for that kind of open discussion mentality that I think a lot of my classmates who had studied business or political science may not have been as familiar with that stylistic way of learning. Brian says every part of his life was changed by philosophy. Precisely because it's useless, because you because when you think about it, you don't think about it as what can I get out of this? I have found without question that my study of philosophy has shaped every aspect of my life. Everything that I do, everything that I think about, the way that I think about things, the choices that I make, everything has been influenced by my study of philosophy. And That sounds super great to add to a fancy podcast on life after philosophy, but it's true. Yeah, it's true. In a fundamental way, my study of philosophy reshaped the way I think, the way I think about life and not in the sense that, you know, I'm really good at debating people or that I sound smart because I can, I can say, well, Aristotle would say, or Plato would say, but because it has given me a framework to think about the whole of existence. And as a human being, the way that we flourish is by living an integrated life. And so everything that we do, insofar as it connects in an integrated way to everything else that we do, that's the path to human flourishing. Olivia mentions an important insight from the philosopher Martha Nussbaum that informs her high school teaching today. So I always am thinking about her with that. Another big thing that she taught me was Martha Nussbaum, um, the philosopher. She talks about the moral imagination, and that's such a beautiful connection to teaching literature. So the idea that the more you read, the better understanding you have of other people's perspectives and the stronger your empathy 
grows. And that's something I try to instill in all my students. Like we need to read these books that don't maybe relate to you or you're not familiar with because you're learning other people's perspectives and it's helping create your moral imagination. And we might have to agree that in a sense, there is no life after philosophy. You know, I, 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 what I thought that just occurred to me, it's almost funny to call it life after philosophy because if a person really dives into philosophy, then they don't have a life after philosophy. It's life with philosophy. For more, check out these and other episodes of Life After Philosophy. Thank you for listening to Life After Philosophy. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate it five stars and share this episode with a friend. I appreciate your support.